This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to the interview series. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Patterson, and we're joined here today with a special guest. We've got Walter Lamoth. He's the president and CEO of Bentley Leathers. Welcome, Walter. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> thank you for being here as well. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you became a retail leader. Let's just kick off with that because you've had some uh, tremendous experience. I, I kind of fell into retail as most people probably do um, way back when. I'm a career retailer. Um, uh, the, the methodology for selling product has uh, changed and, and certainly have become more diverse over time. But the fact that we um, still take product to the consumer is the same in the 80s as it is today. But the methodology has changed. It's, for me, it's been uh, it's been a lifelong love of uh, serving our customer, and uh, I've uh, I've been fashion retail for the most of my career. And uh, in 2018, I had the privilege of joining um, uh, Bentley, which is really a, uh, an experience that the customer has that uh, not too many people are traveling, and they don't like the fact that they're traveling. You know, they're it's a happy place. And so I get to um, to assist people in their happy place and making sure that their travel um, accessories, uh, whether it be the, the journey that's happening now with the back to school or the first trip down south or any of those combinations or retirement trips or trips to Europe, that we have the uh, the accessories, the luggage, and the uh, the handbags and whatever is required for that trip to make it uh, to make it right and safe and secure. And the product assortment in Bentley stores is typically, it's typically bags. Like you mentioned, there'd be travel, there would be, uh, you know, say, handbags, um, briefcases of that sort of thing. Tell me a little bit about the product assortment in the stores. Yeah, we've narrowed down a lot. If you uh, if you looked at Bentley a few years back and you look at Bentley today, uh, we're trying to follow the, uh, the consumer where we're saying we're doing the curated offering for, uh, for our consumers. So, we have really two sides of our business. One is travel for sure, which makes up about 50% of our business. And it's everything to do with luggage, travel accessories, uh, secure bags uh, for uh, protection of your personal identification, those kind of things. The other side of our business is more casual, which is um, either the backpacks, um, you know, the, everything to go back to school is, is huge for us right now. We're on our mini Christmas and um, and our fashion component through all that, which we try to bring a great looking, feeling product through um, utilitarian product, is that we make sure that uh, handbags are of the of the latest fashion, but still very very functional for our consumer. And um, and so everything we bring into the stores now is uh, very very narrow. We we've taken our our development uh, from about six thousand styles per year to uh, about a thousand styles per year. So we're really focusing on what is best in the world. We work with designers from quite frankly, all over the globe. And, um, and so uh, we have it with the pandemic. We're a little bit slow at getting our full assortment as we would envision it in the stores. But uh, by, by Q4 this year, I think we'll, uh, we'll have most of what we've developed over the last two years uh, in, in place. Terrific. Terrific. Now, the company, um, just before the pandemic, went through a restructure because it had over 250 stores, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, it had about 260. Um, we shed about 88 stores at that time. Um, but we did a lot of things. We, we basically, and no fault to anyone, uh, you know, one of the retailers that, um, you know, was growing and had over 500 stores not so long ago um, and had an infrastructure that kind of followed that. And so... Trying to, and we did our best to to achieve um, a shrinking of the 
the, 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 the company itself to the new reality uh, without protection. But we got to a point where I think the bank was kind of saying, you know what, we're going to help you out here. We're going to, we're going to find a force the situation. And it turned out for the best because we, uh, with good collaboration, we had new ownership uh, come in at that same time. And uh, we were able to restructure our business. And quite frankly, if we hadn't done it then, not so sure how we would have made it through uh, the pandemic because it uh, it really helped us uh, hit the ground running. Oh, yeah. And speaking of the pandemic, um, were there any sort of, I guess, learnings or tell me a little bit about the situation with Bentley Leathers as we headed into this crazy situation of, you know, store lockdowns, supply chain challenges, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, we, you know, I, I often think about uh, what it'll be as uh, as part of the history of anyone's career that's worked at Bentley over the last 18 months. And to be able to say that we're one, a retailer, two, an enclosed malls, three, in the travel business, where um, in Ontario being one of the uh, the most closed down, like almost nine months of closure, uh, how come we're still here? Um, so, yes, there was a lot of uh, a lot of dancing going on. Uh, from our part to make sure that we uh, were down to strict minimums. But, you know, I had huge collaboration from uh, from our partners. Uh, our vendor base is very close to us. Um, and, you know, everybody understood from day one that this was not, uh, not caused by us. It's uh, different than going under protection. Uh, and so the collaboration was very, very strong all around. And if it wasn't for that, quite frankly, uh, I don't know how we would have made it. But uh, that's how we uh, we got through how was um, say getting product into um, stores like from you know, international shipments and whatnot? Were there any challenges around that uh, that, that you found? Because you know, I know I've spoken to a lot of retailers, and I say you know, getting the goods to the store has been half the challenge right now, or at least getting them into the country. Even well, there's there's kind of stages of this challenge. Uh, we start back in uh, and when we go way back into um, early 2020. Uh, we had train problems uh, coming across the country. We had um, we had COVID starting in Asia, which was shutting down some of the uh, key factories. And we we had some delays. We had a lot of delays at the beginning of the year, quite frankly. But the truth is, is that that's nothing compared to the challenges that all retailers and everyone who's shipping something today is facing. Um, today, it's uh, it is it is the, the the greatest nightmare. I say it's the world train wreck. Uh, in logistics, it's uh, there's there's nothing normal. The timelines aren't normal. The costs are certainly not normal, and we're just uh, working our way through it, like every other retailer is right now, and trying to figure out how to add eight or twelve weeks onto our timelines and, and a heck of a lot more costs, but uh, to get product in for Q4. But up till now, it hadn't been a big issue because we, again, a lot of our vendors had product staged for us, and they they were they were very good at keeping it and making sure that we got it when when stores back opened up. We had a situation where around the country, the lockdowns didn't all happen at the same time. Well, they kind of did originally, I guess, in around March of 2020. I think we saw almost the entire country shut down its stores. What was it like for Bentley Leathers having a situation where, like, literally the physical stores had to be closed? On online orders, or tell me a little bit about the situation uh, that was happening with the company then. Well, the, the situation, the the online orders, and the fact that travel kind of dried up completely um, made the online business really a, a handbag business, and um, it, it did very very well actually. Our handbags and our wallets and our um, our, our shopping. Uh, 
paraphernalia was all doing very well, but there was no uh, no compensation for shutdown. I mean, closed is closed, and so when uh, when a whole um, province gets closed down, even a smaller province, uh, you know, like the Maritimes, when they shut for uh, for a fourteen day period, or just Nova Scotia, they all have an impact because you're counting on that for uh, your 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 cash flow, your just basically your subsistence. So we're looking at this and we we've had to adjust plans for sometimes three times in a week. Um, so we just keep adjusting. It was really just adjusting. What are we adjusting? We're adjusting our, our flow of inventory. We're already at our bare minimum in costs. Uh, we, you know, what we did is that we, uh, uh, you know, our whole head office uh, took a pay cut, of course, a significant one. And everybody just pitched in and, Quite frankly, uh, it was uh, it was hard to plan when you don't know, and uh, every week was a surprise. It was just okay. This is where this is going to happen. So we just worked at it. We didn't try to think too far ahead, and just work at it. Um, you know, almost week by week. So that's that's basically it. Our online sales did well when you when you take a look at the business as compared to 2019 in handbags and and these 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 products that were not readily available. We did as, I don't know, but as well as anyone else, but we, we, we certainly did some really good numbers and good increases from 2019. But half our business being, um, being travel, it still impacted us negatively. Yeah, and I've spoken to a few retailers that have said that, you know, bags and accessories were actually hot selling items, even though a lot of us were kind of just staying home. I haven't been able to figure that out. <laughs> there's two things. There's one about I'm going shopping, so I need something practical because they're still we're doing groceries or whatever have you. And the other thing is just feel good about a purchase. Yeah, you know, feeling good about uh, you know a handbag for a woman is a uh, is a good purchase. It's a, it's a fun thing, and it's uh, you never have too many handbags. So I think that had something to do with that. And there's also less available on the marketplace, quite frankly. I, I think that makes sense. And now we're. You mentioned it was through e-commerce. Was it being shipped from store, from warehouse, or both? Or tell me a little bit about um, how that works. Because And then the, the premise of the question with noting that we saw a significant spike just across the board in terms of the adoption of e-commerce in Canada during the pandemic. Tell me a little bit about um, what Bentley was doing you know, while the stores were closed in terms of you know, getting product to consumers. No, we did everything from a centralized warehouse. Um, we are now set up with uh, ship from store which is really impacting our bigger items like luggage and we we have started that process in uh, western canada but uh, no it just came from uh, from the, the central warehouse and um you know we're responding within a few days of uh, of, of orders we had some challenges uh, from the delivery people uh, even canada post if you recall at the beginning of pandemic because they they uh, they had a lot of challenges themselves in their sorting sessions uh, stations but um, but we worked through them as well, and we uh, no we we didn't skip a beat there. Excellent, excellent. And let's talk about physical stores. Um, you know, we've seen a situation again where I just mentioned that we saw an increase in people shopping online. Do you have a vision for the future of brick and mortar stores? Because I don't think they're going away in terms of I'm seeing new leases being signed by various retailers around the country. It's clear that brick and mortar is still here to stay. Stay, but. Do you see a showrooming or tell me a bit about your vision for the future of, say, Bentley uh, stores from a physical aspect? Yeah, I don't think there's one answer for it because I think that it depends on the mall. It depends on uh, what the mall has prepared itself for before pandemic. And I think it also depends on how uh, the malls are going to put themselves as part of the solution for online. One of the biggest headaches 
is the online returns. And um, anybody that's a pure online play uh, will not have this benefit, but we would have a benefit if uh, the more and more malls were part of that solution with drop boxes to pick up and drop boxes to, to, to bring back. But that being said, I think that there's a lot of malls that have uh, diversified themselves well into service and food and, um, you know, with any kind of normal return to business, I think they'll do fine. The secondary malls, uh, some are excellent, some are, are going to struggle because they're losing, um, you know, they have lost uh, key players and, and I think they'll lose more. And then the tertiary mall, I can't imagine how they survive past the next four or five years. Uh, I think uh, the world needs a lot of more condos and they'll be turned into something else because it's it's very difficult to think about a mall that's a tertiary mall where you can have Carrefour Laval next door, for example. Yes. Um, so a tertiary mall in a very small market still has a place, but in the big city, I really don't see it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the future of the mall is in question, I think, to a degree, because we are seeing some being redeveloped uh, um, or, or even well, new ones like Royal Mountain Montreal, which I, I'm really excited for. I, I can't wait to see it finished. <laughs> I'm sure the owners do. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, now, and Bentley had started rolling out a new store design um, that I think looked really, really nice. It had a very, very fresh look to it. Um, do you have a vision for that in the future in terms of um, what stores might look like? Uh, uh, even if they have less product, you mentioned that as well in terms of of, of SKUs and, and design. Well, what we did at the same time we were redesigning the store is that we were curating products in all those new stores so we could see how less product would perform well. And so far, we have um, uh, two of the three of these stores, uh, one in Place Laurier, one in Orleans and Ottawa, and um, and the one in Fairview Point Claire. And we're going to be opening up our fourth one um, sometime this fall, uh, as soon as we get clear on and how to get it done is um, Avalon Mall, which was our very first store in 1987. So um, we uh, were very proud to be uh, renovating that. And so uh, I think it's going to be first of November. Um, and um, yeah, it's with the customers responded very well because the product is, is easy to, uh, it's easy to navigate the store. So the product is obvious. It's, uh, it's obvious to see this is the luggage section. These are our prime um, promos or these are our prime fashion uh, components. And um, we made some modifications as any new store would after you open the first one. But um, but that that's that's coming along good. And the second thing that we're doing that we are we are testing that we should be in um, in full operation by uh, next fall uh, is uh, airport stores which, you know, there's a very, very oh. close correlation to what we do. And uh, I mm -hmm. think we can do it better than, uh, than I don't know about anybody, but I think we, we have a fair chance to, uh, to be as good as anyone uh, in that area, in that space. Now, we've had airport stores before that were called Bentley, and there were a mixed bag of, um, of all kinds of products. And here they'll be called Tracker, and they'll be very focused on uh, our best sellers, what we know the customers are looking for. And uh, this, to me, is is one of our growth um, strategies for, for the future. That makes a lot of sense with luggage to have um, shops and airports. Would you, would you see that being rolled out across Canada in various airports, you know, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver? I think with the assumption that we'll get it right, which I'm feeling that we will, um, I think it's beyond Canada, actually. I don't know that there's any restriction on an airport because what happens with travel stores is that they focus on one or two items, but there's not too many that are a full circle. And then we have some good examples of uh, like Muji is, is a very good example of, um, you know, Muji travel is very focused on travel. Um, for us, it's just, you know, a little bit more hard case, a little bit more. Um, the, the things that you would find 
at an airport that you wish you you would have remembered to bring, uh, like reading glasses or um, you know your makeup case or your whatever it is, or you're not so happy with your briefcase anymore, whatever it is. Um, and these things, uh, I think, that will will serve as well. Another thing that's very popular in airports and in our airport stores is everything that is to do with uh, travel accessories. And so we want to make our window basically um, a, a, a vending machine. So it can be open 24-7 for anybody that needs the top 20 items that you would need for travel. So this is, uh, this is where we're experimenting with our first one in Dorval. And um, we will have, uh, we'll have all the bugs ironed out by, by Q2, Q3 of next year. So you said that there'd be almost like a vending machine in the front of the store with bags? Not with bags, but accessories. Accessories, sorry, okay. okay. The biggest thing that you sell in all the accessories, right? So everything to do with, um, you know, I forgot to get tags to to put on my luggage, my name on it or whatever. So um, the locks are very popular, uh, all of these things. So um, you'll be able to buy 24-7 and it's, you know, instead of looking at a different location in the airport to set up the machine, while well, we could do that. We want to integrate it part of our design. So uh, we haven't unveiled anything yet. We're uh, we're still in a work in progress, but we're working hard on our first one that will not be perfect, but it'll be our our first uh, iron at the bugs one. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see it. That sounds so interesting because, uh, <laughs> I mean, airport retail in itself, I think, is quite fascinating. I'm assuming that the, the, the floor plates of the stores would be, you know, fairly small, which I think is something we're actually starting to see around the board in terms of retailers looking, in many cases, to have some smaller store locations. Yeah, these are 400 square foot, probably even 200 square foot. You can do something in a mall in the, in an airport. Um, the ones that we have presently don't run more than 400 square feet. So it's just, uh, it's really put your key items in there. It's fast turn. It's it's crazy hours and it's all that stuff. But it's uh, it, it has been a profitable business for us. And I do not believe we did it very well. So this is a, a rebirth of something that we've had in the past. And I think that uh, I think there's a good expansion in this. Oh, very interesting. And um, we've talked about the future of retail generally in Canada. You know, we've had a couple of conversations. Um, where do you see things going as we head into the fall and then into 2022, even just generally? Um, we'd have to name specific retailers, but, uh, you know, some are going to struggle. You know, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in the industry, because I know you've got your finger on the pulse a lot more than many people I speak to. Well, I think that uh, I think that many retailers uh, that were assumed to be dead or dying will not. Um, I think that there's, uh, you know, a considerable amount uh, of retailers right now still under protection and they're, they've reorganized and refinanced. And I believe that they'll come out very strong out of the gate. Um, I think this fall is going to be pretty kooky for everyone just based on this, uh, this whole supply chain that we were talking about. But beyond that, I would say that, um, I would say that the damage is probably done to the ones that, um, that could not make it. Um, and I think there's a lot of money out there for those who have an idea and have um, you know a, really a place to go. I think there's 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 people that um, are looking to buy up assets, and uh, I think that that's not going to I'm not going to do any harm. I think that's going to do a lot of good, and and so it'll be rebirth of some. It'll be um, refocus of many. Um, for us, uh, as an example, we took. Uh, you know, using a Churchill uh, expression, don't let a, a disaster go to waste. Um, so we we just retook our, our whole experience for the consumer and rethought it for how she needs to shop as an extension of e-com in a store rather than vice versa. And we're not there yet, but we're, we, we have a lot of the makings in play. 
Um, we have to think about, you know, the customer is going to be very, very focused on quality value. I'm, I'm always, you know, I'll repeat myself a thousand times. Um, but, you know, if you, if you think you can give the customers anything, you're wrong. Um, people have to see the value. The, the price is irrelevant so long as the value uh, proposition is there. And when you look at the, the way the customer wants to be served, they want no hassle, whether it be a purchase or a return. So if you look at the future of retail and you can answer those things, um, I think it's very healthy. I think where the challenges are going to be is a lot of malls have a high, high vacancy rate. And even a relatively good mall in good markets have a high vacancy rate that I, I don't know, you know, everybody wonders about the, uh, you know, the anchors. There's still one anchor out there to be in question as to whether they're around in three to five years from now. So you're saying, well, if that starts to, to play a game, I know, you know, we, retailers are always finding a way to fill the space and to and to do something spectacular. So I don't know what the future lies, but um, that's going to be a challenge in the two or three years to come uh, is to make sure that there's a vacancy that the customer comes in and sees relevancy for them all. Some have no issue at all. And some uh, in good markets have, have issues. I, I walk through them and you see them. You know, there's 20 vacancies in, in one alleyway alone, and you're going, okay, <laughs> everybody that's Canadian is already here, and international, I don't know why they'd be interested, so it's going to be a challenge. But um, but retailers, uh, we're good at knowledge. <laughs> Every decade, we get one. This is the biggest one we've had in a long time. So, yeah, we'll have to work our way through. No, absolutely. And I guess it is a bit of a conversation around the future of shopping centers as well, you know, with the mall, because almost all of Bentley's stores, I think, are in shopping centers they're all in shopping centers yeah there's a couple of outdoors like uh like mirabelle and uh, toronto premium outlet but for the most part they're in they're in malls but the the consumer is um is very resilient also i think that if they they go in and they get some you know so if you look at online online is a place where i can buy goods efficiently if i go in a store it's where i can <laughs> shop effectively if I can if I can combine a shopping experience with an easy buy experience, then we should win the consumer because that's all they really want is just give me hassle free. If I choose to go to a store, don't make it difficult. And we found even our own policies had to be revised and rethought because if I return something online, there's no hassle. But if I meet somebody, I'm going to get, you know, well, it's 30 days and all that stuff. We just have to rethink all of those parameters that we used to have for um, for bricks and mortar. But if we see the customer as the as the center of what we do and what's right for her, you start making a lot better decisions, uh, whether it be product or, or service or returns or whatever those issues are. So I think I think that there's a lot of smart retailers out there, quite frankly. And um, I think uh, the adaptability of retail is such that that's why that's why you're 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 into the business that you're in is because it's uh, we're an interesting bunch. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and and post pandemic beyond you know the airport stores uh, do you see any sort of other transformations uh, for for the Bentley brand under your direction? Yes, I see. Uh, I see. There's um, you know we see our products as being somewhat unique in that we can build brands that are uh, transferable to other retailers, um, and we've been building our brands that way, and we're not there yet. But I, I do see a wholesale proposition uh, sometime down the line. We have. We have done a little bit of that in our past. I think also that we have uh, developed an expertise in the repair business. And our repair business has uh, you know, kind of gone under the radar. And we're going to raise that, um, raise that up a little bit. Because for me, the, the fact that we are, you know, that we're a choice retailer for Samsonite, for Briggs & Riley, for Air Canada, for Sunwing. 
and it goes on and it's and it's it's really the confidence level that if you shop with us you can you can you can feel feel confident that this is the right place to be and when you look at our um, repair centers we have three right now i think that there's growth there as well because it goes right to the consumer and not just servicing the airlines so uh, the combination of that plus the airport stores plus some eventual wholesale and I think that we um, have a lot to do and a lot to learn on e-commerce. We're not there at all. all. Right. So, um, so between all of those, I think we have a very healthy business in our future. No, no I definitely wishing everyone luck in in, in that respect. Because I think I I think genuinely there's there's really great opportunity for growth here. You know, in travel and bags and accessories and okay. the wholesale thing is very very interesting too because that is another avenue for growth. I mean, you could be selling it to department stores or or you know whoever would be interested in that in terms of being a multi-brand retailer beyond, you know, the direct to consumer stores that Bentley currently has as well. Yeah, wholesale works if you if you have expertise that you know that another retailer would not have the time, energy, or expertise to put it in place. And so handbags is a great example for that. You know, it's a, it, we're an overnight 30-year success. I mean, uh, you know, our handbags are great handbags, but it took a long time to figure out how to design a handbag for our consumer. And our consumer is not the, um, you know, the, the quick fashion consumer. Our, our consumer is a serious consumer, whatever age she is, that, that wants something that looks great, but it's really practical. And has all you know lightweight, and has the right price point, and has all of these things. So to put all that into a bag, it's uh, it takes a long time, and it takes a lot of expertise. And we use, quite frankly, we just in bags alone, we probably have ten designers around the world working with us. So it's it's that's that when you can formulate that, that becomes the possibility of wholesale. But like I say, well, that's that's down the line. Terrific. Is there anything else you'd like to mention today about uh, Bentley Leathers? No, I just think that Bentley is uh, is uh, ready for the rebirth, and it's, it's nothing short of that when you look at uh, everything we've been through. Um, and I would think that, um, that a consumer um, looking at us for the first time will be surprised if the last time they looked at us uh, was uh, five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, it's very curated. It's very much about the family. And I think that... Um, if you're traveling, whether it's short distance and business one day when that returns or on vacation, uh, I can't imagine somebody coming in that wouldn't be satisfied with uh, with our, our curated uh, collections for them. And um, and you know what, quite, quite frankly, uh, the last thing I'll say is because I know a lot of people listen to this, but you know the collaboration that we've had from landlords, from um, our vendors, from our employees, from our investors, from our bank has been nothing short of phenomenal. I mean, you know, you, you be transparent with them, be it open about the challenges and not trying to hide any of the challenges. And um, I've got, you know, so few examples of non-collaboration that wouldn't be worthwhile putting in a, in a text. It's, a, it's really been nothing but a, a, you know, a give and take, of course, but uh, we find our way. And uh, staying close with all our partners and our stakeholders, I think, is key. Oh, terrific. Well, thank you so much. And uh, this has been Walter Lamoth. He's the president and CEO of Bentley Leathers. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure, Craig. Thank you very much and good luck to you. Thank you. And I'm Craig Patterson, editor-in-chief of Retail Insider. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Take care and bye for now.